we got uh, another uh, another kicker here for you. Another icon returns. Our final icon returns, because guess what? <sighs> Happy Halloween, all you spooky kids. Yay. So get out your pumpkin Reese's and... <sighs> See, like, I'm a Swedish fish guy. Like, Mike and Ike's and Swedish fish are, like, my go-tos. Yeah, I only like, you know? I only like my Reese's frozen. I don't like them room temperature. I don't know anybody that, I mean... If you eat just a normal Reese's, it's just mess. It's just all over your hands and it's just... Yeah, but a nice frozen Reese's? Mm. I mean, you get the lingering taste on your fingers, but then it's just... Eh. If you forget and you happen to like rub your face, and it just looks like you get shit on your head. It's just not good. It's just a weird thing for Reese's. Did you learn this from personal experience? No. No? no. Not even once? <laughs> it's not shit! It's chocolate! <laughs> Watch the IT crowd, everybody. But no, that was the thing. Is uh, I feel like we say that at least once a month. Watch the IT crowd, everybody. I'm here to drink milk and kick ass, and I'm all out of my milk. And I just finished my milk. <laughs> so yes, um, we will be doing our IT crowd uh, podcast soon. That'd be awesome. No, I'm just no, joking. No, we, we, we did one of those yeah. uh, back when I did Ramble on. Yeah. Like so uh, back to this shenanigans here. I mean, again, yes, happy Halloween. And I think uh, we're ending off our Icons Returns Month with a, with a banger. I agree. But before we get into that, thank you again for joining us. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done it already. And we'll drop in your favorite podcatcher every Tuesday. Join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real, R-E-E-L as in Movie Real. Um, we are now closing for the last, you know, I think month or two, we've been optioning ideas for our, um, dumpster fire month for the month of November, but that's done now. We're going through and we're making our decisions. Um, but if you have any other movie ideas or if you want to chat with Lunchbox, you can email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. Oh, I'm a jabber jaw. And I'm like, after looking at our list, I'm like, I, it tastes so bad. I don't think I'm going to like it. (laughs) It's just like, why did I do this to myself? This is your idea too. I know. But we gotta, we got that content. Right. And with the end, the end of October coming, it's time to get out them jingle bells and prepare for Christmas and shipping. So for that horror lover in your life or that podcast lover in your life or those that like both. Go to creepitatreal.redbubble.com or hit the link in the Instagram bio and buy our merch. It's pretty. You'll like it. I promise. And it's good quality, too. It's really good quality. But, yeah, don't procrastinate like I typically do and wait till hey, we got a week left. Eh, not good. Yeah, shipping takes a little longer mm-hmm. than that. So, our Icons Return Month, we've done all sorts of sequels. I really feel like this one went fairly well. Um... I've liked them all so far, but I think this week is going to be my favorite. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that we've got it in a pretty good mixture with the, with the icons. And uh, typically, when you come across the second movie uh, from a franchise, uh, sometimes they can fall flat. And a lot of, or, or a lot of times, like, you get... If you know that it's going to be like a trilogy or something like that, the second movie is usually just the bridge. Like it's, you got the, you got to get that little bit of a slump to bring it back up to the crescendo. Yeah, so, the, that one's usually where they do like the information packing to yeah. get you through to the other side. Um, and then like when we were doing uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, or, or really all these icons that are, that have returned uh, for this last month, 
they didn't know it was going to be big franchises or anything like that. No. Most of the time, they don't. I mean, granted, if, if some movie you know production companies send there going hey we got to get a new slasher in and then we're gonna slate you know at least uh you know for four movies and kind of get it ready and then they go with all that stuff but this for back when movies were <laughs> you know that thing uh well back in the 80s especially it was kind of starting to become expected that there was going to be a sequel um, but it still wasn't a guarantee. But the best part about some of these more low-budget slasher-type films or horror movies is that they're made for peanuts. So if they're making at least double their investment, you're going to get a sequel out of them. So if you invest a million dollars and you pull down at least two, you're probably going to get another one. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these movies, they would have a million dollars invested in them, and they would pull in like 25, 30, 40, whatever. So... Yeah. These guys were, like, these were made for nothing, and they were fucking juggernauts. Um, but in, in this case, where we're going to do, we're doing Child's Play 2 this week, we have the unique situation of the question posed, is this a sequel that is potentially better than the original? And this is an argument that has been had a lot for Child's Play 2, is... Um, I think a lot of Child's Play fans and slasher fans in general will point to this one and go, you know what? This one might have even been a step up from the first one. Agreed. And I I genuinely appreciate that when you get a franchise and you sit there and go, okay, which one's better? And granted, yeah, the first one is it's just so good. And then the second one comes out, and you're like, well, shit, that one was good, too. And it's like, it's kind of like picking between your kids. It's like, you just can't. It's just, yeah, you know, that yeah. that type of scenario. But uh, when you come, like, and I, I bring up, like, the Friday the 13th uh, Part 2, like, compared to them, it's like, it's like. Friday, that, was, that was a retread. It, it was, and it's like, was it needed? And Not stuff really. like that, it's like. It's hard, especially when you have a franchise as big as Friday the 13th. And it's like, it's a weird... Friday the 13th Part 1, when it first came out, was very shocking in, in, in its own right. And it's like, I could see where it's got that... It's just that icon status because it started something mega. And then as it just... It just kind of kept building up steam and slaying bodies and stuff like that. But you never... It, it was like this weird, slow progression of trying to figure out who they really want Jason to be. Yeah, but in this case, we have a really well-established character in the Child's Play series. Um, it's established immediately from those opening scenes of Child's Play 1 with Brad Dorif as Charles Lee Ray and Chris Sarandon as Mike Nolan, or Nolan's last name, I think I don't remember correctly. But um, uh, Chris Sarandon's character chasing him down, where we get everything that we need to know very, very quickly um, within the first seven nine minutes of the movie maybe um and in this one we have a situation where we're kind of taking a look at um through the lens of, of greed and what some companies will do to try to make a, a dollar and or save face is basically what they were trying in to this do. case it's both because yeah. the the company that made the good guy dolls 
they wanted to that was a money maker for them but because of the the chucky thing and the andy barkley thing they had to try to prove to their stockholders that no no no, no this isn't dangerous <laughs> this yeah. isn't dangerous at all um by by salvaging and fixing the the doll that was involved in these murders um before we get into that though child's play 2 dropped on november 9th 1990 it was made for a budget of about 13 million um it ended up grossing 35.7 million worldwide written by don mancini directed by john lafia who i think did a rewrite pass on the child's play one script um which is pretty neat the movie stars alex vincent is andy barkley jenny agater is joanne garrett graham is phil christine elise as kyle Brad Dorif as Chucky, and um, Grace Zabriskie as Grace Poole. We in a small role, we have Greg German playing Matson, the toady for the toy company exec, um, who's in charge of the good guy dolls. So, yeah, this one, um, Child's Play is, has had the fortunate, is really the only series I can think of that has fortunately had the same writer at the helm for every single one of the movies. And despite the occasional tonal shift, which we'll, we, we'll get to with like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, um, it's really consistent. Like there's a very consistent voice and a very consistent point of view. Um, and it's all because there's been one guy in charge pretty much the whole time. Um, I would argue that maybe Child's Play 1 got a bit muddier just because they had to have Tom Holland make a pass at the script and a lot of a lot of um, what Don Mancini originally wanted to do was trimmed out but and replaced with like the voodoo and stuff like that. If you want to get a little bit more, go back and listen to our Child's Play episode. Um, but uh, yeah, Child's Play 2, we got a lot more, I think, of what Mancini wanted to do and he kind of took Tom Holland's ideas and up the ante on them quite a bit yeah with with this one i well with the first one i genuinely like the voodoo aspect of it is it something that actually would happen no completely is a little corny oh yeah but it works like for to sit there and go okay how is this serial killer going to be inserted into a, a doll like, just that concept of just him trying to save himself. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, Chucky, uh, well, Charles Lee Ray, ends up getting, like, he is the resurrection king. Mm -hmm. Like, this, he, he, it is so awesome. And, it, like, not only is, like, he resurrected himself from human to doll, and then it's, like, within each movie, he continuously comes back and that's yeah. awesome what you know you can complain about the voodoo being kind of cheesy but it's really the best deus ex machina i've ever seen because that's all you need to explain why chucky comes back you don't have to have some convoluted roundabout sort of way of getting there like oh he was struck by lightning or oh a dog pisses fire or um he just happened to survive the gunshot wounds or whatever dinosaurs, rocket ships, airplanes, whatever you want to insert in there to try to bring your killer back to life. No, it's it's voodoo magic. Yeah. The end. We're and, moving on. And with the the way that the progression goes from one to two, mm -hmm. 
I do love that they start off showing you Charles Lee Ray and the, the chase down scene, him going into the doll, which is also one of my favorite little shots of the movie, just because of just that artistic like flair in it. Because after uh, Charles says his voodoo and then gets put into the doll and he die like the body dies, they they do an overhead camera shot that's spinning and it's going right towards the doll's eye and you can see this little glimmer, like it's just this little light and it's just like for some reason it's just that it's very eerie where it's just like you know like that's like he's gonna be there, um, and then like as they follow along with the transition into the Barclays and just their day-to-day life and how, you know, Andy is just this uber fan for the good guys. And as many kids back in the eighties where, I mean, I was Ninja Turtle ghostbuster. Like, yeah, but it was also know. my buddy dolls and cabbage yeah. patch kids. And it kind of fell in line with a lot of that. And this was 1990. So we're, we've come out of the doll craze at this point. I mean, there's still, it's 1990. So there's still some action figure sort of things going on. Um, Ninja Turtles, like you said, was big yeah. and Barbie and all those things. But I think G.I. Joe was still G.I. A Joe little, a little bit, not as big as it was like five or six it was, years prior. It was good, but it, but yeah, it's like it got kind of bumped out by things like Transformers. Yeah, and, but we and we caught yeah. the tail end of G.I. Joe and those yeah. sorts of things. Um, so the doll craze had really started moving on, but the thing is, is and, and the slashers, the slasher uh, heyday was over at that point. Um, you could argue that it was on life support by the time Child's Play One rolled around. So to get this weird little slasher movie um in a time where it was really on life support nobody wanted another one because at this point we had already milked let's see 1990 we'd already milked jason and freddie to death um michael myers was on life support we'd already had all of the holiday movies april fool's day and my bloody valentine and all of you know happy birthday blah 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 like all of the the holiday themed ones um we'd already gotten movies like the the and, and the ripoffs of those like the burning or we had movies like maniac or whatever like we'd already gotten a gazillion different slasher films so for this one to come out and not only like meet expectations but exceed them and arguably become better than its original um the original movie that started the whole thing, uh, it was, no one could see that coming. That one's kind of a big deal. And I, I kind of remember, I was five when this movie came out. I don't remember this coming out particularly, but the following year when Child's Play 3 was coming out, I remember seeing a lot of stuff for Child's Play 2 um, in the lead up to that because there was a, a ton of advertising and a ton of behind the scenes stuff that was coming out on like the entertainment tonight type TV shows. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing a bunch of that. And, um, but this movie I remember seeing on like TNT or TBS or like one of those, like, uh, the national cable channels. Um, cause this is again in 1990 cables, not it, it's on its way up, but it's not what it would yeah. become in just a few more years. I, uh, I remember, I think Child's Play 2 was the first Child's Play that I ever watched. And I, again, I was also, I think I was like seven, I think it was like seven or eight when it, when I actually saw it. Um, it was on, I think it was, 
I want to say it was on AMC, they were doing, like, their Halloween runs, and I did the same thing like our son did, where I sit down, and my dad goes, oh, I don't think you can, I don't think this will be right for you, I don't, uh, I don't think you're ready for it, you might be scared, and I did that whole, I'm not scared, gee golly, get at it, like, come on, dad, like, let's do it. And then by the end of it, you're shaking under a blanket. No, no, I actually did pretty good with it. Uh, More so, (laughs) my dad loves to tell the story of when we first went and saw Jurassic Park in theaters, because the scene with the, the, uh, was it, the spitter? Yeah. uh, The spitter dinosaur. Um, (laughs) When that thing started, like, screaming and doing its its thing, uh, my dad turns to me, he's like, hey, isn't this awesome? And like, he could just look, he's looking at my ass. Like I have my head in the seat. <laughs> and I was just like, that, that's the only time that's ever happened. But yeah, child's play, I was actually okay with. Oh, well, and, lucky you. Yeah. Because my brother had a, my buddy doll. So it was not, not as good for me. Um, yeah. but even I do have like little memories of the climax of the movie with the wall of good guy dolls. And you know, the, the bits where, like, Kyle and Andy are trying to, like, hide out and run through the factory and those sorts of things. That was, I was like, that is such an excessive amount of toys. Granted, it's like, yeah, if they're that popular, they have to have the supply and demand and all that stuff. Sure. But I was like, damn, like, that's creepy. Now, think about that scene. What if Chucky understood what he was going to do or, or what he was supposed to do by, by transferring his body or whatever? What in the later films with like Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, Cult of Chucky and all all those where he started splitting off his you know into and he kind of like did multiple versions well, of himself. That was the original idea for Child's Play three, but they didn't have the budget for it. Yes, but no, but just him going around the factory. If he just went, hey, tag your it, tag your it, tag your it, and then it's just an army <laughs> of Chucky dolls like. Coming after really scary. I was like, holy shit. Um, I liked I quite liked a lot the direction the Andy character took. Um, they eliminated his mom, they very quickly wrote her off by saying, Hey, um she's in a she's in an asylum. It's probably because she took up for her kid and because Andy was a minor, he ended up in foster care and she ended up in the loony bin. Because she was the one saying, no, my son is right. There was a killer doll and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what happened to Detective Mike. I would love to have known what happened to Detective Mike because he was just forgotten about. But he also knew that there was a killer doll. That was the embodiment of Charles Lee Ray. But that, that's the thing is that everything that they went through, it's like you had the just both detectives witnessing right they watched the whole thing one got choked by him it's just like it's like how the sh- what huh? huh like how did that happen and uh yeah for her to just go oh hey like or, or they just you know say that she freaked out and now she's in an asylum and now andy's off in foster care i kind of went okay i like i understand and i like that when if you couldn't get the actress or or what have you i mean just to kind of I mean, to make Andy's character even more, like, like you kind of feel for him even more because yeah. now he's, he was struggling before well, with no, people he's, thinking. he's more sympathetic now because he's yeah. more isolated. Yes. 
And now, he, like, he's with a, a whole new, you know, they're with a foster family. People still think that he's crazy because of everything that happened. So now it's, he, but he also has this, like, mentality of, like, no, I know it's right, and I don't really give a shit. Like, yeah, this is a kid <laughs> who, um, you can tell he's kind of, he's kind of coming to grips with the fact that he's alone. And he's handling it about as well as an eight-year-old can, which is surprisingly well. Because yeah. um, I'm 36, and sometimes I don't handle it very well. But he, um, he, he took, and he took charge. He wasn't, he somehow decided he didn't want to play the victim anymore. And he was on high alert, and he wanted to be ready because he was afraid Chucky was going to come back at some point. Um, and inevitably he did. And it's... And you can see when we get Alex Vincent back at the end of was, was it the end of Curse of Chucky or the beginning of Cult of Chucky? I can't remember which one. Uh, it was when they actually went to the asylum. So and, it was the beginning of yeah. Curse of Chucky. We get him back, yeah. but we got Alex Vincent back, and um, you can see that his entire life has been consumed by the fact yeah. that this doll ruined his life at six years old and and i love that he has kept the original chucky he kept his head in this like safe and he's just been fucking with him and like torturing him the whole time yeah, andy's andy's not okay <laughs> um and i think this is the this is the you know you can point to child's play three when he's in military school as maybe that's the point where he cracked but um i really think it's this one where it, that's it. He's his life has been decided for him because this creature came back, and uh, he had to deal with the fact that he was a wanted. He was wanted at the time, and the, the mission, Chucky's mission, failed. And I think that's the crux of the whole thing. And is that Chucky failed? He was like, I need to move my body or move my soul back into a real human body or I'm going to be stuck as a doll. Well, guess who got stuck as a doll? The uh, the thing that kills me about that is Chucky, from like, even in, in Child's Play 1 and in Child's Play 2, he's sleeping next to Andy the whole time. He has every opportunity to, at when everyone goes to sleep, he just... Sits up, puts his hand on on his head, and well, says child, his, well, his thing. Well, in Child's Play One, he didn't know that until towards the end of the movie that that was going to be a thing. No, I know, but then it's like when it comes to Child's Play Two, everyone thinks that okay, it's just a doll, like he's supposed to be down in the thing, and he goes to sleep. But like that night, like Chucky could have just gone up there and just did his thing, but he decided to just continue to fuck. Like he's just got this weird, just thought process. Like he just wants to fuck with people and it's just it, it's fun for him but then he's like oh shit I'm, I don't have good time management no like, he really doesn't so and then it, it's like it hit me too is like what would have happened if he actually got into Andy's body because he wouldn't have had or he would have had the same you know tendencies well, would it of have been a serial a swap? killer would Andy have been stuck in the doll no, 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 no. Or would no, Andy's soul have been displaced and... Well, that that's a good question, too. But it's... Or, or it's, like, would both souls be fighting, like, in this weird, like... Like, uh, for the same space? Yeah, like like a good and evil. Like, you got the little, you know, angel and devil on your shoulder, but it's an Andy and, and Charles, and they're just fighting with each other. Uh, but, no, it's, like, if, if Charles actually got into Andy's body and took it over, it's, like, 
would he still try to, would he still have those like serial killer tendencies as a kid? Yeah. But then it's like, as he, but if he ends up getting caught, now you're just going to, like, he's just making more problems for himself. Or it's like, do you just wait it out and just live your life again? And then, you know, just kind of just continuously, you know, transfer bodies and stuff like that. But I mean, Dumbbella gave him the power. So he would be able to do that if he wanted to. I don't, I don't know. Um, I do imagine he would definitely be doing, making some mischief at the very least yeah. as a kid. Um, he might not be murdering people, but I don't think small animals would be safe. No. Well, I mean, and it's like we got the, that transfer scene, like kind of explained a little bit, um, with, uh, at the end of Cult, um, when he transfers into his, his actual daughter, which is, and she's great. Like, I, I I actually kind of want to see more of that. Like, Fiona Dorif is awesome. Um, I just recently started watching Tangent. I just recently started watching the Chucky series. I've watched episode one. I'm probably going to watch episode two, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, it, yeah, there's, I guess, Kyle's supposed to come back, Andy's mm-hmm. supposed to come back, and Mika is supposed to pop up at some point or another in this movie, in the show. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be real, it's, it was, it, episode one was really interesting. It hooked me, so I'm like, Alright, well, let's see where this fucking yeah. goes. And I love that they did make it into a show where you're getting more of it. And uh, they're not doing like it's a you know a, just a shot for shot or like a, a retelling of something. No, just, this is brand new. Yeah. It's all brand I li- new. I love it's, that. It's a different kid. It's a different situation. Yeah. Um, and Brad Dort, he's like just in the show, like the stuff, I haven't watched the first episode yet, which I'm slacking on. Bro, it's on YouTube. I know. It's, I'm slacking. And you have Hulu. I know. I'm slacking. But the the stuff where it's like just hearing like Brad Dory's voice in the trailers and stuff, he sounds amazing. Like he sounds really good, and it doesn't sound like grizzled or anything like that. He still sounds like Chucky. It's it's great. Yeah. So um, and again, I, and seriously, like this is where I think Child's Play one is where Brad Dorif was sort of navigating the waters, um, but this one I think he really gets the character and he is comfortable with it and you can tell he's starting to have more fun with it because when there's there's a few little wise cracky bits in there like the part where he um hooks phil and pulls him down over the basement stairs and he's just looking at him just real dry has it hanging phil mm-hmm. like stuff like that or um he calls the tommy doll like a dumbass or something and it's just like he he's able to inject a little bit more humor this is where we get the laugh for the first time. Yeah. Um, that like, <laughs> laugh. Yeah. Um, hopefully I didn't come across That was good. I liked it. Did that was, it? That okay. Good. That's, that's only, that's, that's not as good as your baby from, Devil, you know, from yeah, House yeah, of yeah, yeah. Corpses. But that, that's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but this is where we start really establishing the Chucky laugh and we really nail down the Chucky character, yeah. which is super cool. And that's something where, I, I like that, they kind of let him have a little bit more personality in this film. Much like when you watch uh, the only other slasher that really talks is Freddy. And they do that, where it's like they kind of... I think it's in three is when they really start to let him get those little wisecracking in. Uh, Two is more of him just being... 
you know, evil Freddy. And it's just, I'm here to take your soul, and you're all my children now. And, yeah. oh, we got weird fucking dogs, and, you know, with baby faces. But <laughs> that that whole thing, it's like when, as the progression of the Friday, uh, or the Nightmare on Elm Street series continues on, we get the really big, wisecracking stuff. And this is from 1990, so this would yep. be... Freddy's Dead is hasn't come is either I think Freddy's Dead was ninety one so this was right at the end of Nightmare on Elm Street. So that that means that we have now gotten into that slasher one liner, you know, like just try, it's like silly. Trying to, yeah. Like I said, it was the slasher thing was dead basically at this point. Um, and well, and even with like the Friday Thirteenth stuff, again, Jason never spoke, but we got a lot of those characters that tried to have those. Yeah. one-liners and that was something that I that we've seen with the slasher films where you have to have the wisecracking jokes and if they're not done right you can't take the movie seriously and I think Nightmare on Elm Street started to do that you're getting the Freddy stuff but then like once you got into you know like Freddy's dead where he's playing the well, the, that's, game, the game and it's like okay. it's because that it got over yeah the the, the wisecracking thing got over what I really appreciate though with this movie, actually, I think with Child's Play in general, um, at least for this first block of three movies before we get into Bride of Chucky. So we have, like, like I think I said in our Child's Play episode, it was, Child's Play is very, well now four, very distinct sections of its lineage where you have the, these core three movies, which are essentially like the Andy Barkley trilogy yeah. is what you have. And then you have the next two movies, which are Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, which are a bit more meta. Um, Seed of Chucky especially is a lot heavier on the comedy. And then you have the gothic block where you get Curse and Cult of Chucky, which is very much like a gothic horror. And now we have block four, which is what they're doing with the series show, now. Yeah. And so, that was something else that I love too, is that Andy is a part of those movies in some form. Except for uh, Bride and Bride and, and Seed. Yeah, he wasn't a part of block two. But yeah. they he, he became a part of blocks three and potentially yeah. four, but we're not there yet. So like... Um, but they, this particular block, even, even in part three, where he kind of, he's a little bit more like of a smart ass, um, they didn't overdo it. Yeah. It was very restrained. And yeah, there was a few little quippy bits that were kind of funny in, in this, in Child's Play 2. Um, but it was very, very restrained. And I really appreciated that, especially this coming at the end of where you have, they made that mistake with Freddy Krueger of going too far to the point where now it's just stupid and yeah. goofy. And they got to that point with Chucky when they got into uh, Bride and, and Seed of Chucky. Like that's Those where were, that's where it just it fell all apart. Yes, but that was post Scream, so yeah. they were doing a postmodern horror thing like yeah. Scream was doing. It was I mean, when, very, we, when you're doing doll sex, they were very self aware mm-hmm, movies. Is, yeah. is the point? Like they were very um, aware of what they were doing. They, the, they were toying with the idea that the concept of the killer doll is really silly. Like, it's a dumb... On, you write this down on paper and you hand it to somebody. It's a stupid fucking concept. We have a killer doll. Great. That's dumb. Moving on. But that's not... But they're kind of p- picking at it. And Seed of Chucky, I've pretty well locked away in a box in my mind. Because <laughs> it's so fucking bad. But um, that one has the famous... Britney Spears scene where he runs Britney off the road. 
And he has John's waters. And John Waters. God bless the little people. And it was just, but he had the the crack of, oops, I did it again. Yeah. Uh, This one doesn't do that. I really appreciate it outside of the few little bits. Um, The, I do want to talk about how things were kind of bookended a little bit. Like in the beginning we have, I like the opening credits because they do this rebuilding montage where they're, salvaging the body and they're scraping all of the old surface off and they're fixing the skeleton and we're getting where they're putting everything back together with new parts i have questions and i'll let you go yes but i have questions but we have the scene where they're just about to finish up and there was the the voodoo magic thing that happened big lightning bolt yeah the lightning bolt and um the the eyeball machine where Chucky gets this, uh, the eyeballs spiked in, and it looks like the machine's starting to go haywire, and um, the, the manu- I don't want to say the manufacturer, I was going to say one of the factory workers got zapped and ended up dying, and he was our first kill in the movie. Yep. Um, but that, that was a nice, one of I think one of the most famous kills is the one that bookends it at the end of the movie, where we have a factory worker, and we'll talk about the factory in a minute, because... That is an OSHA nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it is. Yes. It's terrible. But we have that famous kill at the end of the movie with another factory worker. We'll talk about that. In that a gets bookended with um with the eyeball scene. Um it was but, a security yeah. guard, yeah. Uh so my question. First off, I understand that the the good guy corporation is trying to save face. Mm-hmm. And okay, so I don't understand. One, how they got Chucky's body from the police. They just they just mentioned, oh yeah, we, we got the the original doll from the the crime investigation. It's huh. like uh, cops just don't give that shit away. Like they don't. Oh, here you go. I think I have an answer for you, but go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, give okay. me your answer. So they had a case. They had a trial. I'm sure the whole the whole all the evidence for the trial needs to be held all through the end of it. But it is property of that company. So I think at the end of it, what ended up happening is they gave their property property back. That's one thing. Where it's like the trial's over. It was inconclusive because the body wasn't moving anymore. Or some palms were greased. Someone got paid off. I, I could see if, if somebody, if they just paid to get the that back from them... But if you want to go in that route where it's, it's their property, it's, it's not because it was given to a company, um, a, a store, and from that – so the store had to get that, you know, paid to right. get that stuff. So right there, that exchange is done. And then it got into the hobo's hands, and then it got into Andy's well, mom. Well, I, I mean you can make the argument that it was stolen property in the first place because it was never actually sold to yeah. anybody. But, but and that that's the thing is like I, yeah I think more of what Tiffany ended up doing in Bride of Chucky I think it was just grease palms it was just a cop got offered the right amount of money and he went all right as soon as this thing is over you can have it back yeah it's just the the corporations like stuff like that where even then they're they're like oh we gotta we gotta save face we gotta make sure we're doing good if there was a grease palm that could be big big trouble for them because they, they go oh hey um uh, uh, you know red flag. From the cop, well, and they go, "Hey, they did this." Well, and then also no, 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 not but, likely. Yeah. The the thing is, is is that um, it was the way that it kind of panned out was it because the doll wasn't doing anything anymore, and 
Andy's mom ended up yep. being committed, it was basically an insanity thing. It's like, okay, well, yep. they're fucking nuts. So, and the doll wasn't moving. The soul was gone at that point for at least that point in time. So the, the they were just dealing with a crazy kid yeah. and a kid who was potentially making up a story, which is why they were like, we need the original body to a check it to make sure that there wasn't any tampering done with it where there was a voice box in there or something saying i'm charles e right yeah. or hold on or um that um and to prove that this kid really was nuts and there was nothing wrong with our doll can we please start yeah. making them again see the the thing that that kind of was weird for me because they're like, oh, well, we got to make, uh, you know, we just, they're putting the, the doll back together again. I'm assuming so they could just put it on TV and go, hey, there it is. Like, this is. It was for the stockholders. Know. It yeah. wasn't necessarily put on TV. So. It had nothing to do with that. You know what they could have done instead? Hey, go back to the warehouse and just grab one and we'll no. say it's this. But nope. No. They literally had to do it to prove to the stockholders that there was nothing wrong with this one particular doll. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, this doll, it was charred a crispy. And that's where it's like, there's if it's that damaged, and for them to sit there and go, okay, well, we got to figure out, like, what, what went wrong with this thing, there's no way for them to explain to the stockholders that there was something wrong with this doll because it is that damaged. It's that cooked. No, but they were able to salvage enough of it to be able to put it back together. That's the point, is if we put this thing back together, we can make a presentation to the people and yeah. go, look, this is the doll that was allegedly involved in this crime, so there's nothing wrong with it. I understand. But that's the thing, is if for them to put this doll back together to where they could literally put it in a box, put it back on the shelf. Like, it's that, that clean and that crisp. For them to do that and then to go, hey, stockholders, like, this is this is good. They're not going to know it's good, like, because it's, it's refurbished, they're not going to know. Unless there's, like, serial numbers or whatever, however you want to do it, they're not going to know. And it's going to be built the same exact way as the one from a factory. They, no, so, they wanted to make that, yeah. the, the CEO of that company wanted to make it as legit as he possibly could. And that's all that it was. It's how do we get our number one seller back on the market in the best way we know how. Let's take the accused doll and fix it up so that we can show everybody that there was nothing wrong with it in the first place and this kid was nuts. Yeah. But And then also it's like, okay, well, if they were going to take it to the stockholders and all that stuff, what would have been the next plan of actions? Like go on, you know public tv with the doll and be like hey this is a doll there's nothing wrong these people are just crazy and then well and the then, media had know. already put their spin on it at that point anyway if you want to yeah. if you go if you want to look at it through our current lens it was there was probably already a media spin done where it was like you know crazy six-year-old boy and his crazy mom and making up stories and they all went on a killing spree and blah yeah. blah, blah 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 like it literally could have been fucking anything and the public's gonna buy it or it was a five minute blurb on like the local news and yeah. that was the end of it. And but and that's where it's like, okay, well, if it's not that serious, and then like if people, I can understand it's like, oh, like people are gonna have like some, like, kind of a little bit of a withdrawal, and I could see where it's like, yeah, they need to save face and all that good stuff. But for that's like I said, if they're gonna sit there and just go, oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with this doll, it's fine, and it looks exactly like the ones from from the warehouse, they could literally go this was a doll from this, you know, from the thing, and then just kind of 
again, trying to save face quickly. No, and, like, but you're also missing the point of they needed to make sure that the damn thing wasn't tampered with in the first place. Yeah. It was just weird. It just, it didn't sit right with me. And when they could just take components from that doll, put it into another doll, if it was in working condition to make sure that it, it was functional. But then that's literally what they did is by doing the refurb. It was the same thing. They put a new skin on it. But it just felt like it was like way too much work. Granted, we're done with that. I got it. It's fine. But the thing that fucking weirded me out was during that montage, they're sitting there scraping the teeth of the doll and it's human teeth. Didn't anybody go, hey, what the hell is that? No, nobody. Not a single person. Not one person went, hey, that's human teeth. Nope. That's Do weird. any of our dolls have human teeth? Nope. No. It's like... It's nope, not one person. So stuff like that where I'm like, uh, nobody had a red flag on that. And they're like, they're detailing his teeth. Yeah, it was like dental work. <laughs> That's so weird. And then on top of that, like, I could see where it's like, because a lot of the, a lot of the skeleton was very charred. And I mean, they had to like scrape it clean and just put the new skin on and everything. And he looked pristine. The eye thing was awesome. Like that. But it was, also made you know, for a really neat visual to see oh, putting this doll beautiful. back together. I'm not down in any of that. It was one of like the best openings for bringing back a uh, you know a killer that I can really think of. Like especially for an opening, that's awesome. Like it makes sense because now you're doing that same thing that you did for the first movie where you're showing Charles running away from the law. It also is riffing you know, on. It's also riffing on Frankenstein. Very much so. It's awesome. Because it's like, oh, we have to reassemble it from all of these other parts. Um, it, you're taking a dead body. You're reassembling it. The hit by lightning to bring it back to life thing. Like, yeah, it's just the riffing on Frankenstein. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 like, another thing that, like, <laughs> those guys are just dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, so <laughs> the guys that are actually putting Chucky back together again. So the teeth scraping thing, that was, boom, red flag number one. Uh, second thing was they were talking, uh, like, the, the corporate guys were talk, you know, saying, hey, like, are we going to, you know, we got to try and get this thing done, you know, quickly. And the guy's like, yeah, we're not used to putting these things together manually. They're in a, a, a whole room full of extra parts and big machinery that's used to make things manually. And they have to be trained on this stuff to put said thing how do you not know how to put them together manually when clearly this room says you do? It's like, it's like, come on, guys. And I'm talking like it's just wall of arms and legs and torsos and then Chucky heads on the other side. And like I said, big machinery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Try again, Chuckles. So well, I mean, the I actually kind of like the design of the Chucky doll in this one. Um I really like what Kevin Yeager did in the first movie, um, but I think the they refined it a little bit more in this one. They didn't do the aging thing though that Kevin Yeager did. Um, I like the I like that aging one where you could see where as he's starting to become more human, like the hair starts to get a little bit more wild and not and less uh, doll like. Yeah, and, like know. the eyes sink in, the skin's become skin becomes more sallow. Yeah. Um, they didn't do that with this one. They pretty much kept him the same from beginning to end. Um, but he was more expressive. 
Yes. In this one. They kind of refine the animatronics a little bit more, um, especially in the scene in the classroom where he's coming out of the closet at the teacher and it's he's more mobile and his face is it, his face moves better. Um, it's more expressive, especially through the eyes and the cheeks. Oh, so good. Um, uh, the one thing that I noticed that they didn't do in this film is the little person in a Chucky suit. They did do it. Did they? Wh- mm-hmm. Which scene was it? I don't it remember. It was the scene them. where he was burying Tommy under the si- under the swing set. Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah. It's very quick, and it's like I, I didn't. Yeah, I the scene's not very long, but they had to have uh, either a little person or a child in that suit to get it get that shot um, because they weren't going to make be able to make a puppet I didn't even think about shovel. that yeah yeah okay good so, I think that's the only one though I can't recall any others it, it's not like in the first movie where they had like the little person like running up the steps which also is still a creepy scene knowing that it's like, oh that's what it is it's just again it's well like, they had it running creepy. up the steps and then there was the other scene where Andy's um, in the locked up in the the asylum room and he's like Chucky's coming to get me and he's hiding and Chucky gets into the room somehow that's a little person I think in there too yeah but I think the, that might be the only scene is the shoveling scene I don't recall any others um, I think for the most part it was puppet yeah and uh, so I think they did a much better job with the animatronics um, and just kind of given that more life uh, to, to Chucky um, and, in, and as we said too just kind of give him a little bit more personality uh, this is the Chucky that I, I really enjoy. Um, another thing that I, it kind of hit me too is one of the reasons why uh, Chucky's probably one of my favorite slashers. Uh, I mean, Ghostface is, is probably one of my top slashers just because he's the hor- or they are horror nerds um, and they follow horror code. So, hey, you know. Right. Um, you know, ultimate nerds. And, but Chucky, it's, you're getting that it's something different compared to with like Freddy. You're getting the the comedy out of it, but it's not excessive or it's it's still kind of it's a little grounded. Yeah, I mentioned that it was pretty restrained. Yes, it's very restrained. But that was something where for this movie, you get a lot of Chucky FaceTime. Yes. And he gets a lot of dialogue whereas with Freddy it's very, it's for just that scene. And it doesn't really, it's like, oh, like you're dealing with Nancy or, or any of the other kids and they're like, they're going through it all. Yeah, sudden, um, we follow, you know. Chuck, we follow Chucky around a lot in this yeah. movie. Um, he's in a good chunk of it. There's really no point where, well, it's already been established that he's, he's alive. It's not like in the first movie where it's like, oh, is he or isn't he? Like, no, he's firmly so, so we know he's alive. We're just going to roll with it yeah. and go. And and that was something like with the first movie where they kind of did the <laughs> the Jaws method where, you know, we're just, we're going to show the thing, but it's like, we're not going to show it. Well, the and... first, in the first episode of that Chucky, in the Chucky show that I saw, they did that. They, there wasn't any life in the doll for like two thirds of that first episode. It was a good chunk of it. Yeah. Um, before you even heard his voice. That's, yeah. So, I mean, and I like that they did that with the the first movie, but then when you got into the second, it's like, yeah, you almost get Chucky, like, right off the bat. And it's mm-hmm. just, from the scene where the corporate lackey takes him to go get liquor for a date, um, and then <laughs> Chucky ends up, like, suffocating him in the back of the car, which also... That's the dude from Talladega Nights. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, he always plays an asshole. <laughs> so, He's been doing uh, it for a while, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it just, it's funny because, like, you get that Chucky, like, right off the bat, 
and he's automatically into that mode of like, I got to go after Andy. So it's just, I like that they've established where, kind of like where we were talking about with Michael Myers and Lori. It's like, why is he always going after her? Because like, she got away type of thing. This is exactly that word. Charles is like, I want fucking Andy. He screwed my... He, he screwed me, yeah. yeah. I was like, I want him well, dead. And he, I need his body. And in his head, too, it was, I need to... It's still the rule of, I need to get the person I revealed myself to first. And it's, so it's still Andy. Even though... Te- well, no, it's the same body, so that would that would fly. But in the third movie, he realized he didn't have to do that if it was the first person yeah. he revealed himself to. That was a brand new body. But this one, um, because it was basically a refurb, and but it was the same skeleton he ended up in, um, yeah, it was still Andy. He needed Andy. Uh, but at the end of the movie, when he realized he was stuck in that role, he didn't need Andy anymore. So, And he was pissed because Andy didn't let him do what he needed to do, so Andy needed to die. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. So I like that they kept that concept going, and they still made an interesting story out of that. Because it could have yeah. just been like, oh, it's just the same fucking movie from before. But it's like by giving us a couple of new characters, new people for, you know, body counts, can, whatever. Yeah, but. I mean, you can make the argument that it's a bit of a retread, but I think they made the scenarios different enough that it can stand alone on its own. Um, I, you know, they took away the mom, the mother son dynamic. Instead, they introduced um, the, uh, the foster sister. Yeah. Which is not really a relationship that's explored that often. I think this is really one of those few movies you can point to where it's like they took a different relationship combination and really made it work. Like Kyle was believable as a 17-year-old girl and um, she was a little bit standoffish with Andy, but um, I think she was more willing to step up and at least listen to him than anybody else. Um, which I think is why she made such a good foil for Chucky at the end of the film is because, um, she was the first one to realize that, oh fuck, you know, Andy's telling the truth. Um, especially after Andy's been taken away and she finds Joanna dead. Yeah. At her sewing machine. And, and that was something that I, like, so Andy's mom in the first one, she had this, this, this motherly, just demeanor to it it was just like it was every every typical mom like she's struggling single mom and just uh she's trying to do the best you can you just feel so sympathetic towards her and then also when all the chucky stuff actually starts happening you're just like oh shit you're automatically connected to her um when you meet the uh the simpsons like it was joe and phil yeah or it's yeah joanne and, and phil and it's funny to see because phil he's like automatically in this mode of like uh i don't know if we should do this because i hear this kid's pretty crazy and i don't know if we need that in our lives but then but then joanne automatically fits that motherly role like she's like no i need to take care of i mean they really don't feel like they go well together anyway joe and phil because like She's so motherly and she's so nurturing and you could tell how very badly she wanted her own children and just, it didn't happen for her. Um, and Phil was just Mr. Like, I, I don't even think he particularly liked kids, um, let alone wanted to have any in his household. Well, I mean, for them to be, I, I can understand why she wanted to be a, a foster parent because she can't have kids of her own and 
they have a re- there's a really sad moment where um, they're talking with Andy and uh, she shows him his new room and uh, like they're going through the whole thing just kind of getting him settled in and uh, then Andy makes this you know comment of like oh like when are you gonna have kids or like when are you gonna do this and she just kind of went mm. can't yeah and it's just, it, like you could just see where she's just kind of crushed and then on top of that you could definitely tell where Phil he's at this point in his life where he just kind of lets her whatever she says yeah I'm going I think with. it's because this is how she's finding fulfillment so he's just kind of letting going with it yeah. like letting her do it even though I don't think he's terribly interested um, because with foster kids, a lot of them, they're damaged. Yeah. Like, they've had something traumatic happen to them. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle's been bounced around forever. Nobody wanted her. And then you're dealing with Andy, who's coming off this high-profile case. And it's like, you know, you're okay, that one's broken too. And, and he's... When you take on foster kids, you're taking on a lot of baggage yeah. in most cases. And, and when I mean that, like, Phil just kind of lets her, like, do everything. I'm, I'm talking, like everything that house atrocious oh my god <laughs> the pink and blue and it's just like it's the an antiques. old woman yeah old woman house hands down but it's like that's just her personality and it's littered all over the house like phil probably only has like one room dedicated to himself and the rest of the, like and even then i'm pretty sure she's probably touched that room too but it's just like he probably. yeah you can just tell where he's just like going along with whatever she says and you know, just make her happy because you know he does love her, but it's just like you know he probably feels bad, whatever it is. But you could definitely tell where he's just got this. I don't know about this one, but I guess we're doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I like Jenny Agutter anyway. Um, she's most notable for being an American Werewolf in London. Yay! Um, but like, I really like her anyway, and I, I find her to be in this one. She's super maternal. She's so sincere. She's very sweet. Um, you can tell she's got a very open heart when it comes to these kids. The way she treats Kyle, even though Kyle's got an attitude because she's a teenage girl. Um, Smoking cigarettes. Fuck you. I'm going to... Right. But you can see at the end when the shit hits the fan with Andy where Kyle feels the same way towards Joanne. Like, this is the closest to a maternal figure she's ever had in her life. And, like, you can see these two people really do care about each other. Um, especially because... You know, Joanne's coming apart at the seams. Her husband was just killed, and she's got to get rid of this kid that she was getting attached to, and this whole thing. And, and Kyle just stepped up and was like, I'll handle it. Don't worry about it. I've got it. Go and just go fall apart. And she was going to let Joanne go fall apart while she yeah. got Andy out of the house and took care of what she needed to take care of. And it was... um it was actually really nice to see. It's really it, it's it's tough to put into words. You really have to see the dynamic between Joanne and Kyle um, to really understand it. It's it's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that was something where because Kyle was very new to the Foster family, they uh, I think she'd only been there like a week by the time Andy got there. But the way that that Joanne treated her, it was it was hard for her to sit there and go, "Oh, I'm gonna." I'm just going to keep being a, a total bitch. You know, it's like you can't you can't really do that when someone's being that nice and that genuine to you. Where she's yeah. actually like I'm 
I'm here for you. It's the sincerity, yeah. I think, is what did it. Because when you realize that somebody is being sincere, that's usually when the walls start coming down. And I don't blame Kyle for one second for having those walls up as high as she is. She got bounced around all the time. Every time she would have a bad referral from school or got in trouble or acted up a little bit, it was like, oh, she's out. Bye. Yeah. And, you know, don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. And she'd just go on to the next one. Um, and I think Joanne had every intention of letting her stay until she aged out of the system at 18. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where she was going with that. I mean, but... I definitely like that dynamic of Kyle going from, you know, just, um, you know, I'm angsty, yeah, and then going into, like, an actual, like... She went to hero mode. Yeah, it's, I love that. That I love seeing that transition. I love seeing that transition with Andy, too, where he's just got that... He's just coming off of all the shit that he just got done dealing with, but he's probably been told so many times that he's just it's all in his head or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, yeah, 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 I got it. But he knows, no, this shit was real. Yeah, at this and, point, he's just saying it to get people off his back. Yeah. And he's just kind of hiding it, hiding himself. But then when he ends up seeing the Tommy doll and he has, like, this, you know, PTSD and he's just like, oh, shit! He's freaking out. Like, I can understand that where he's either trying to, I gotta get, I gotta get over this. I gotta, like, it's, it's done, it's gone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and he, he starts to kind of build up. And then when Chucky shows up, he's like, oh, fuck you. And he's like, he's going for the turkey carver. And he's just like trying to be all, you know, Mr. Hero. So I was like, that is a good, again, transition for that, for that character. Especially for a little kid like that. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I mean, that's, that's one of the things you can point to. I think that was really well done um, with Mancini and Lafia is the fact that Andy had some real character growth in this. He went from being this timid, sort of broken down, traumatized little kid to he's eight and he has to step up to try to take down this killer. And it's crazy bananas, like how quickly he's willing to do that. And you can see this huge arc with him between the beginning and the end of it. And like by the end of it, he just accepts that this is a part of his life now yeah. and he has to deal with it. Which is amazing, um, but he also had Kyle there for support. Yeah, the 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 relationship between the two of them, the chemistry between the two of of, of them, Kyle and Andy, were great. Yeah, and and I can't. I was trying to think back to if there's any other horror movies or like slasher movies where it all falls within the kids, and like the only thing I could come up with was <laughs> our old old episode of Ernest Scared Stupid. Um, <laughs> with all the, the kids going and fighting all the trolls. but Or then you have Monster Squad, where it's literally just the kids going I mean, to fight the big bad. You can you point know? to Friday the 13th Part 4 with Tommy Jarvis. You can point yeah, to okay. most Stephen King movies. Um, the kids from, from It. You can um, Stand By Me. Um, I don't... I'm trying to think. Carrie. Yeah, okay. can, I mean, not Carrie. Well, Carrie was sort of a, yeah. an anti-hero. No, but I, like, I, like, I, that makes sense with the It and things like but that. But like, yeah. if you look at... I mean, Stephen King is known for doing that with kids. Having these kids being... Having to step up into these adult roles. To varying degrees of success. <laughs> Mileage may vary. But like, that's that's a thing that he did a lot. And there's... when And then, Monster, yes, movies like Monster Squad or... Like, or the... the, the Spielbergy counterpoint to that with the Goonies and like there's a lot of movies you can point to where you have to see a kid step up yeah. but this is in a slasher though 
that's a little more rare. Like, well, and that's what I mean. It's like I mean, I you think can really point to Tommy Jarvis. He's really kind of the only one. Tommy's the only one. Um, but offhand, anyway. Yes, but then like, uh, and and that's what I was really meaning. Is like more for a slasher movie, uh, and 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 it's not only that. It's it's mainly because Jamie I, Lloyd. You can point to Jamie yeah, Lloyd. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that that again. It's just more. I, I was thinking about it, but. For this one, just having an eight-year-old not going to Kyle. He never tells Kyle, hey, Chucky's back. It's like... Yes, he does. Does he really? I don't yeah. remember him saying that. No. He tells her. Like, he, um... It was... It was when, um... Phil died, and she's trying to take him out. And he, that, says, okay. he says to her, he's like, hey, it's Chucky. Chucky's back. Chucky's alive. That's right. I forgot about that part. And she's like, yeah, kid, whatever. And he gets taken out, and that's when she goes outside and to have her moment, and she pulls the Tommy doll up. Correct. And yes. realizes that the doll she threw away might not have been the doll she thought it was. Which and then is awesome. When she goes to check the can, the, he's the can's empty, and he's gone. So, uh, color me corrected. You are. Yeah. And that's a shade of burgundy, uh, if anybody's wondering. So that's a thing of, um, so yeah, I mean, that was the cool thing is just uh, for even the buildup for that. Because when the scene where Phil dies, that is such a cool and intense little scene where uh, he goes down, or Andy goes downstairs with the, the turkey carver, and he's ready to do some work because he knows that Chucky's down there. And then all the shit just kind of just, you know, falls into play. But he... He doesn't ask Kyle or anybody to go down there with him. He has to do it alone. And he has to because, face his fears alone. And, because at that point, he's yeah. like, nobody fucking believes me anyway. Why bother? But that's, that for Andy, as an eight-year-old kid, as we just mentioned, like, that is a cool and badass move. Like, that is, like, on the level of, like, Sarah Connor. Like, that is, it's, like, <laughs> it's just, like, this epic, yeah. like... It's kind of cool and badass, yeah. but on the flip side of that, too, it's also really fucking sad because an eight-year-old should never have to be put in a position no. like that. No, but that's where it's, he's got, he's got the plums to sit there and like, I'm going to go after this serial killer. Mm-hmm. And that's where, it's it's a serious thing. So it's like, that's really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, to a, de- you know, to a degree with, you know, if you try not to think about the sadness part of it too much, it's, yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, the climax of the movie, though. <laughs> where um, we end up back at the good guy factory and Chucky hijacks Kyle and makes her drive him over there to chase Andy down. And that, or, well, back to the foster house anyway. Um, that whole scene's really funny, especially when they get pulled over by the cop and the cop's like, oh my God, it's a good guy doll. Those things are awesome. What's your name? And he's like, it's Chucky. Doesn't even bother <laughs> trying to pretend he's a good guy doll anymore. He doesn't give a Fuck. It's like, all right, awesome. All right, nosebleed. Yeah. Um, oh, and then Kyle's response to that where it's like she plays it up so nicely yeah. where he's like, wow, that's that's new. And she's like, yeah, you know uh, some of those dolls where they, they pee? Well, this one bleeds. And it's like. It's dark. Creepy. All right. <laughs> and But Kyle's really awesome in this one, too, because she. Once she understands what's really going on and she realizes the truth, she snaps right into action. There is no hesitation on her part. She knows Andy's in fucking trouble. And she's a good survivor girl, too. She really is a good fighter yep. girl. She um, she snaps right to it. She doesn't freak out when Chucky gets his hands on her. Um, she's handling it really well. She's super proactive in the car when she realizes that 
you know, like, yeah, she's being pushed around by a two-foot-tall doll. Yeah. Two-foot-tall doll. And she's like, nah, fuck this, and slams on the brakes and sends him flying through the fucking windshield. Oh, my God, that was awesome. A little part of me, too, is like, man, it's like the amount of force to send something through, like, shattering through a windshield like that. Well, because she she stomped on the accelerator first, because he's like, you need to go faster, I need to get there faster. Yeah. She's like, okay. And then he's, like, screaming about crazy woman drivers, and then she slams on the brakes, and out he goes. Um, it's so good. And then she crashes the car um, to get him off the hood. Like, it, she definitely, um, she steps up, and she, especially when she realizes the kind of trouble that Andy's about to be in. Which, by the way, the whole reason why he's in trouble is because of that stupid social worker who gets the phone call that it's, oh, it's his Uncle Charles, without vetting the guy on the other end of the line one tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, I had that note too. I was like, what a piece of trash. Like, he just says, oh, I'm his Uncle Charles. And she goes, oh, okay. Here's yeah, the information There's been no information about an Uncle Charles. Nope. There's no background checks. There's nope. no nothing. Just, oh, yeah, he's over this way. Yep, this is where he's living now. Yeah. Enjoy. Bring a toy. Yeah. Like, like, nope, just lets that one go. Um, so when she got stabbed, I was like, Yay! I mean, your fault. I mean, you did this to yourself, really. Um... But yeah, Kyle, Kyle's amazing. Um, I look forward to seeing more of her. I really was super stoked to see her at the end of Cult of Chucky. What, was it Cult of Chucky she popped up in? Yeah, it was... Uh, I keep getting the ends of Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky like, well, uh, crossed the, in my brain. Yeah, like so let's let's pull this up. So I know at the end of the first of that, of the third part trilogy, like so... Um, I think at the end of Curse of Chucky is when we get Tiffany coming back to pick up the doll and drop it off with the little girl. Hold on, let me see. And her grandmother. All right, so in uh, the chronological order, so we have Child's Play 1, 2, 3, Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, and then Cult, and then the, the Child's Play series. Right. At the end of Curse of Chucky, that's when we started getting, we get the Andy where he's back in the shack and then the cabin. Um... And he's got, you know, the original Chucky head in the safe and he's then doing all the shit. Cult of Chucky, we get Kyle back. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, Cult of Chucky comes uh, comes back with Kyle. Tiffany shows up too because she picks up, um, she's the one that sent the doll to the asylum. Um, yeah, and, she's the one and, and gets Nika. Yeah. So, and, or actually, I think she's the one that sent it to the family First off, when, uh, like, in that weird, creepy house for Curse of Chucky. Yeah. Um, but it's never established that it was Tiffany. No, well, until, it was at the end of the movie. Yeah, until then. But I like that they, they brought all of those characters back in into play. Uh, I mean, with Tiffany, Andy, and, and Kyle. So I was like, that that's a really good way for fanfare. And it also helps keep your story just moving right along. So that was really cool. Yeah, and like the, con- the continuity of bringing some of those characters back is really nice. Especially because you have such a strong character with Kyle. Yes. Um, the, the, show, the final showdown at the, at the factory, though, is probably one of my favorite scenes in any horror movie that I've ever seen. Agreed. I could see it. the final showdown. Yeah, very, very. Uh, it's really adorable. awesome. Um, you get, you get the big, um, the slasher chase down. It's a bit Terminator, like a little bit. I mean, this is before T two came out. I thought of that. <laughs> you get the basically like the T two chase scene through the smelting factory. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, no, it was just, like, the first Terminator movie where you have, like, you think it's dead, it's not dead yet, and you keep going, and there's, like, four endings. And, on top of that, Chucky loses his legs, much like the Terminator does, and it's just, like, you know, army crawling towards him. He lost an arm. Yeah. And then, like, did the ash thing, and he sticks a knife blade in there. Oh, my God. Really gross. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of body horror in this last part. I would say that when they finally... Let's see. So, at first, he gets his arm ripped off. He gets it caught. He gets it caught in a vice, and he has to rip it out of the vice, and then he sticks a knife blade in there. So, there was that part. And then, the second part was he lost his legs, right? And they think he's dead then. Yeah, there was a a conveyor belt that went up, and these doors would shut, and then the machine would... I guess it would heat up the plastic and then they would add in the arms and legs and then that would kind of fuse it together and then it would open it up and they would send it down to to finish off to the next station. And they ended up hitting the reverse button while Chucky was nailed to like a... a, They nailed him with a conveyor belt. Yeah, they nailed nailed him down. He goes up and then like that scene alone, I was just like, oh my God. That screaming... When he's getting hit with all the hot plastic and stuff oh. like that. And yeah, he comes out and he's a mess. Um, and there's just, you see the, the little trail of blood where he's dragging himself along and oh, so all this other good. stuff. And then the very end of it, when they they think he gets hit with the melted plastic, like they dump the hot, the molten plastic on oh, top of him. Brad Dory's like reaction to that, where he's just like, no, no, no. Like It's just that... You know your fuck son is And like, he's screaming and uh, the, the screaming is incredible and he's still not dead at that point and they're kind of riffing on the end of the first child play child's play movie um and finally they grab the compressor hose they stick the hose in his mouth and this is like something out of a Cronenberg movie like yeah. you could have seen this in video drum or something it's, it's like it's like Cronenberg meets Looney Tunes Yeah so they <laughs> they you see his head start to inflate with this compressor hose until it finally boom. Well, and what's awesome too is that I, I've had a couple people uh, like years and years ago when we talk about this, they're like, that didn't really make sense because if he was already human, why would he do that? I was like, he's still technically plastic. And it's like, they just hit him with a, a bunch of hot plastic. So now his body is not, it's it, it can expand. It can it can mold to whatever you need yeah, to it's, do. Yeah, it's melting yeah. soft now. So I was like that. I was like it made complete sense, and then it made it for extra gross because they they just became a flesh balloon. Yeah, and his head blew up. <laughs> but like, and that's when finally, like, you could exhale because and it and, and as an audience, you can't really exhale till the credits roll because you're just like he'd already come back like two or three times at that point. You're like, is he going to survive this one somehow too? Like he just kept on coming. And, and that was something where it's as a fan, you're like, oh, God damn it. Like, why, why won't you die? Yeah. <laughs> and then, but turn around, but it's like every time he came back, it was, it was cooler than the last. And it was just the, that whole thing of him, uh, coming down the conveyor belt and then they nail him to it and they send him back up. He's got all the extra parts. And then when they come back out and then he's like, they end up like uh, hitting him into the, I think like one of the like those the, those doors, the scissor doors came and like cut off his legs, and they thought that he was he was gone. He comes back Terminator style, and then comes back. And he's like they just keep hitting him with more shit, and like when he pops up from that molded hot plastic, I was like that was the creepiest thing. The eye look, and, and I couldn't tell whether or not I like that better or the charred 
Chucky from the from number one just because uh, they yeah. equally are both like super creepy with the eye yeah uh, no i think i like i think i like the little cronenbergy part where he's covered in melted plastic and he's very grotesque looking yeah i think i i like that bit of body horror a little bit better um never mind the the security officer who ended up stuck on the conveyor belt that was a cool and um you get the bookend from the beginning scene of how chucky was resurrected by uh the security poor security officer getting eyeballs rammed in his eyes yeah that was that was really cool where he he sees uh or you know he gets the alarm uh and you know in his security desk and then he goes down there and then all of a sudden like chucky like takes him out gets the eyeballs but then chucky ties his ass up hangs him and they do the slasher thing where they're decorating and then our heroes come across the body. Right, when they so. do the final girl circuit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that so that factory at that time of the night was an OSHA nightmare. Um, nothing was up to code. Nothing was up to standard. There weren't nearly enough people staffing those machines and I really hope my friend John's listening to this because he's probably giggling like a schoolgirl right now at this descript- at what I'm talking about. The way that those boxes of good guy dolls were stacked was not safe. That was not compliant in any way. They needed to be sealed and packed on pallets and they were not. Mm. <laughs> somebody call somebody. They yeah. need to be shut down and fined. Okay? Yeah. Uh, the one thing- says no. <laughs> the one thing that I loved about and, and I think it is is one of the reasons why, other than all the crazy kills and the stuff with the body horror with Chucky, it's like this is a very, very lit scene. Like so, that's something like that is very light, different. right? With bright light. Yes, like it, it's all like I mean, you could see everything compared to where you got like Freddy or or Jason, where everything's at night and it's dark and a lot of shadows and or like or even like Michael Myers, where he's coming out of the shadows and. Uh, yeah, no, like there's no there's no real dark spots in this place to hide at all. Yeah, so I mean for them to make something that is that creepy, that in, that intense and it just kind of gets your anxiety up, especially being in a very colorful. Not only was it very well lit, it's very colorful. And that is something with Chucky where you're getting that childlike aspect of it and then it's something extremely dark and horrifying and it's like it's just a well-blended just mesh of just horror like it's great so and especially with an eight-year-old trying to survive this in a very it's really cool it's almost like um uh silent night deadly night where it's you know it's like a kid is having to deal with santa claus it's something very childish very colorful and then all of a sudden and you know (laughs) but yeah very traumatic and yeah murdery um (laughs) yeah but yeah the climax of this movie it is one that sticks with you forever like if you forget if you forget this movie even exists and someone says, hey, have you ever seen Child's Play 2? I guarantee you that's the part of the movie that's going to come up in your brain first. Uh, the one other scene that I would also put up there as uh, as first in, in your brain type of thinking uh, is the school scene. Oh, yeah, with the teacher. That one. And also, that is Dwight's nanny from The Office. <laughs> There's a scene where uh, okay. Dwight has to... Uh, he, uh, they're trying to get a... Uh, or he's trying to get in with Michael uh, when he's having like a dinner party, but he doesn't have a date, so he gets his nanny, and it's her. <laughs> it's the teacher. So I laughed really hard. I was like, ah, it's her. Um, but that scene was really cool because 
Chucky goes in there and he draws a really nasty picture about the teacher. Uh, this is Andy's what first day, and he wrote swear words on um, Andy's yeah. paperwork. Yeah, and so she, the teacher's like, "Oh, like uh, what is this?" And she starts blaming Andy. He, she puts him in detention and using very naughty language. Yeah, and then like that whole scenario, and then Andy ends up bouncing out. Uh, the teacher comes back in, and well, that whole scene... Well, he hears Chucky screaming from the closet, so yeah. he's like, nah, man, and he squeezes his happy ass out the window. Oh, and then that scene where uh, Andy's looking through the keyhole, and Chucky's eye pops in. I was like, oh my god, that that was that's creepy as shit. But, um, but that Andy, whole... Andy! Yeah. It's time to play, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. But that whole thing of the scene, as simple as it is, where the teacher goes into the closet looking for Andy... And you're just waiting for Chucky to pop out somewhere. And it's just that, it's a very small space. It builds the anticipation really well. And then he hits her with the the ball pump in the stomach. Yeah. And then beats her to death with a yardstick. Now, that scene where he's walking up to her with the the yardstick and he's just, you know, creeping through. That's the scene where I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's the iconic, you know, shot from the movie. But my favorite part of that is not only where he, you know, stabs her in the stomach and then walks out. But it's the shots after because the camera backs up with each whack and it's, it's, you know, set on the window and you can see Chucky's arm or the, the stick raising up with each whack as it's backing up. And I was like, that's That was a pretty cool shot. That's a really really nice camera work. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love that. And, uh, it's, it's a really, Again, it's something very childlike, but it really sets it up. Um, and that's a brutal way to go because, like, it's a blunt instrument. You're just getting beaten to death. Yeah. So I was like, that's really cool. And then on top of that, it's like, uh, what happened after that? Did anybody else, like, did the kids go into the classroom and then finally see the teacher dead? Like, what happened? Like, there's, it's never explained. Oh, yeah, there's no aftermath on that. There is. No, it's like we cut to the next scene and that's it. We're done with yeah, her. It's like, oh, the school's got to close down because someone murdered a teacher. It's like, ah, nothing. So it's like, yeah, we just follow Andy and then it just kind of goes right back over to his foster home and that's about it. Yep. So. Yep. Huh. I didn't even think about that part. Yeah. <laughs> so. Who cleaned that mess up? <laughs> Janitor comes in, goddamn kids leaving all their dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> Yeah, right? Exactly. Um, I think overall, though, I do have to say, like, I really think this was a... Child's Play is a great movie, the first one. It's a great movie, and I love all the elements of it, but I really think that this one, Child's Play 2, took it, and it really is a super high point in the series. I would argue that this is one of those Empire Strikes Back type things where the second movie, like, the sequel is probably better than the first go round. I would say so as well. Um, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about before getting into the uh, skull no, rating? No, no, I think we pretty much covered everything I feel cool. like we need to cover. What's your skull rating then? This is a 4.5. Nice. I really like this one. I think all these special effects were spot on. Um, the only issues I have with it are basically nitpicks. Um, there's nothing really overly egregious here um overall like yeah there's a couple of questions sort of like okay so who cleaned up the teacher and you know you had a couple that we talked about earlier in the episode and, and or even the uh the um the uh what is it the um the lady that that we had a problem with at the beginning where she gives chucky the, oh, the social worker the social worker it's like who cleaned that shit up state that's state's <laughs> problem now 
Um, and Jenner's like, goddamn kids leaving their social workers all over the goddamn place. Just die. I ain't got time for this shit. I got windows are clean and... Ah. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, this is a 4.5 for me. I really think that I've... Overall, I've, honestly, this is my favorite slasher series is Child's Play. Like, the... Honestly, like, this... I don't know how it happened. This movie scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. Because my one of my brothers had a My Buddy doll. And that's sort of what the good guys were modeled after. Because in the mid-80s, there was this huge My Buddy craze... Um, and Kid Sister, too. There was a female counterpart yeah. to that. Um, through the mid and late 80s. So, like, it was really exploiting that and the Cabbage Patch dolls and, and those sorts of things. And, like, I was a little kid. And um, this was one where I saw it when I was probably six years old. I have vague memories of, of it, like I said, on one of the cable channels over a summer right before Part 3 came out of catching bits and pieces of it, um, having pretty steady nightmares of it. And I didn't see it again until I was an adult. But when I rewatched it as an adult, the the good guy factory at the end uh, was super familiar. That was a part that stuck with me the entire time, from 6 to probably 19, 20, when I saw it again. Um, Brad Dorif is amazing. Um, he can do no wrong. He's the best villain voice I've ever heard in my life. And that's zero distortion. Like, people could point to Robert Anglin and be like, but Freddie, I was like, no, his voice has to be distorted. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. You hear Robert Anglin speak, and he's like Mr. Rogers. Like, and I would almost even say, like, Mark Hamill. Like, he's also another, like... And, yeah, I think we'll get... One, we'll but... probably have the remake down on the schedule here at some point soon. Um, but, yeah, Mark Hamill does a really good... Um, Oh, I wasn't even talking voice. about the. I I forgot. It's like yeah, no, he he's Chuck. That. He was a Chuck. Well, buddy, he was buddy. He was a buddy, yeah. Um, but but no, that's the thing. It's like, but Mark Hamill. It's like with Joker. I mean, he's got so many voices, but he's got that just that iconic. Like he can get just nasty with it, and it's really yeah, good. Yeah, and, so. and Brad Dorff's just got that real nasty villain voice, but he also has that tiny bit of like dark joy. Where he plays a villain who really enjoys being a villain. There's no remorse. There's no second thoughts. This is not a character that you can ever point to and go, oh, he's sympathetic. Or, oh, he could be an anti-hero. No, he's a straight up bad guy. And he loves it. And that was something like with Brad Dory, where if you watch a lot of his other films, you never get that. Chucky is like the only time where... You get that kind of Brad Dory, and he just lets it rip, and it's amazing. I mean, I gotta say, it's like Brad Dory is. The more we watch of, or the more I've watched of, of his films, like he is probably one of the more underrated actors. To like everything that he's yeah. done is is always good. I don't care like if maybe the rest of the movie that he's in maybe not be the best, but his performance. Stands alone from anything, and it's like I think one of my favorites is uh, is Halloween Two with the Annie scene. It's like we we always talk about that one. It's like it's the thing that just sets for me is my favorite scene of any Halloween movie because he's just he's just the best. Yeah, say what you want about you the know? movie, you can't knock his portrayal of Sheriff Brackett at no, all. It's amazing, um, and, and I mean that's like one flew cuckoo's nest, and it's just yep. His it, 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 the list just goes on and on and on. So yeah, it's, and um. I think uh, Alex Vincent, he's two years older in this movie. He stepped up a little bit. He's a much better actor. He's less cutesy in this one. He's still a cute kid, <laughs> but he's not like, he doesn't really have that cutesy way of talking anymore. Yeah. He's like, 
it was Chucky. Chucky. Chucky did it. And it's like, okay, no, 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 no. We've learned to read. We've learned to act. It's, it's, we're doing a little bit better now. Um, yeah, there's everything about this um, movie make, really does make it one of my favorites. Um, this probably sits top five for me in terms of like horror films. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I can't. And, and usually if I want to watch a child's play movie, I go for this one this is the one I consider first. Yes. Before um, really any of the others. Um, it's usually this one or either Cult or Curse. Because I really think those were a return to form. And I, I really do appreciate those quite a lot. Um, we might do a ranking here at some point. I would like to do that at some That'd point. That'd be fun. I'd be in. It would be super fun. Kind of like we did with Halloween last year. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I can't say enough good things. Um, go see Child's Play, watch Child's Play 2, and um, jump on the TV series when you get a chance, because this is the TV series is, is shaping up to be something really weird and interesting. Yep, yep. Uh, for me, I'm also in that same boat. I, I actually ended up giving it a 4.6, just a little bit higher than you. Uh, out of, all, like, when I was a kid, I remember not being afraid of Chucky. And I was always in that, that camp of, like, Oh, it's just a doll. Like, how are you going to be scared Even of a doll? Even as an adult, you were like that. Because I remember for a long time, you were like, these movies are stupid. It, Who's scared of a doll? Yeah, and, and like as I'm saying, I just kind of kept that mentality going through. And I never really went to go back and rewatch a lot of those movies. And again, a lot of the times where I'm with my friends or whatever, it's like we never like went for child's play movies. We always went for Jason Freddy, stuff like that. But... <clears throat> But with this one, when we started getting back into it and rewatching a lot of the Child's Play stuff, like especially number one, I was just like, this shit holds up. Mm-hmm. I was like, it actually is really creepy, and it uh, the story is completely different from anything else, and just that whole gimmick of how are you going to put a serial killer into you know uh, this like all of that? It just kind of works, and it still holds up. Uh, and then as we got through the rest of the series and things like that, it, for me, the continuity and the consistency is is key when it comes to a lot of these films. And things like Friday the 13th, where it's just, they just muddy it up at the beginning, and then as it gets through, and they turn, it's just like, some, like as much as I love Jason, it's like, the continuity just isn't there. Same thing with Michael Myers. We won't get into that. But um, Freddy is the only other one that has always been my favorite because of the concept. But And with each movie, they try to just keep building on to that Freddy lore, which is fine. It's good. They kind of take what was on the last one. And, and, yeah, until and it jumps the shark in the fifth one. Exactly. and so, But that's where they, they kept it going to a degree. With Chucky, they did the same thing. Even when it got to like Bride... They kept that continuity up because he was demolished in the big ass fan blade. The open <laughs> fan at the carnival. What the hell was that? Talk about another OSHA nightmare. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. So, but then, but Tiffany ends up taking the 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 pieces of Chucky and then redoing it. It's like so they kept the story going, but even this like at post scream. So, but a yeah. lot of that has to do with the fact that it's been in the hands of the same writer yes. since 1988. And, and that works for me. And so as the more we watch the Chucky stuff, it's like it has to be one of my top fa- like top slasher movies and top horror movies and a, and, because of that. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that because it's been Don Mancini for over 30 years, 
as basically the sole voice on this thing, you get that consistency because it's been in the hands of the same writer forever. When you have Nightmare on Elm Street's been written by a bunch of different people. Um, Wes Craven, of course, only wrote, he wrote a couple of those and then had a small hand in Dream Warriors. You've got Friday the 13th, every single one has been written by somebody new. Um, the same thing with Halloween, every single one of those movies was written by yeah. somebody new. Like, it's just outside of John Carpenter's hand in, like, the first two, and then sort of kind of in the third movie. For but... Scream, I know uh, Wes Craven did, he wrote that one, but did he, he no, did it up to... Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, okay, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson were a part of all three of them. Yes. Was the first three. Kevin Williamson bowed out. Somebody else wrote four, but Wes Craven was still in part he four. He was there, yeah. And part, this one, Scream 5, is going to be interesting because Wes Craven passed several years ago, but Kevin Williamson is not involved in this one either. Yeah. So this is brand spanky new, who knows but what that, it's going to look but like. But stuff like that in, in the Scream series, I really appreciate. Ghostface is probably one of my favorite slashers because of that. It's just the horror nerds you know, taking it to that next step, and then Chucky being that same thing, something completely different. It's not your typical slasher, but it's it holds up, and I love the colors and just that playfulness of it, and it just being dark, and so it, it works out. So yeah, I mean, this is a, a four point six for me. And Child's Play also you know? had the balls to to be one of the ones that specifically went after a kid. Yes, it very wasn't much so. like a kid was in the vicinity, like in Friday the Thirteenth point. point blah, blah, blah. Try that again. Friday the 13th Part 4, when they did the final chapter, he, Jason wasn't specifically going after Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis was just a part of the scene. Yeah, he just happened to be there. This is one where you are specifically going after a child. It was Andy. And um, that's a taboo that a lot of, of movies, they don't really have the balls to explore. A little bit more so now, in a modern age, they're more willing to kind of put the point on a child but um i think it's a little bit more well i mean a little less taboo now than it was but back in the late 80s oh no yeah so i mean like that that stuff so i have a a deep love for chucky and so i mean even like throughout uh, like i mean if you look back through a lot of like the other slasher franchises and stuff like that and you could sit there and go oh man like there's probably only really maybe like two or three movies that are just absolute gems and then the rest are like eh for this one for the child's play series or the franchise it's just there's literally there's only like maybe one there's one i can point to that should never have existed burn it burn it alive well unfortunately that's not gonna be what happens here (laughs) (sighs) yeah so uh but that's the thing is like that's actually that's really good like and that's where it's just our Chucky fandom like really stands. It's just, it's a solid franchise. It's great. And two, yes, I think is the top movie that kind of puts that, that nice little stamp on Chucky of exactly what you need to know and how he's going to act and everything else. And I'm, I'm actually excited for the TV series just because we're going to get a lot of Chucky and like just some of the stuff I've seen in the trailer of he's like, Hey kid, I'm gonna go over and kill your sister. You wanna come? And then the kid's like, No, I'm gonna go to sleep. And he's like, Alright, you're gonna miss out. It's like <laughs> Yes! Like that's perfect. That's great. Yeah, like, right. So I'm excited to see like more of that and like just if how it's gonna just continue. And I thought it was really funny because the more I looked at it, it's like we just had Halloween Kills come out and 
Next up is Scream 5. We just had the TV series for Chucky released. It's like they're just continually just bringing out all of these... The classic slashes. The classic stuff and and reviving them. And it's like, I hope that they do such a good job with them that it, it does spawn for more of that and but at the same time it's like it's kind of like a i guess like a double-edged sword where it's like that could blow up in your face if that analogy makes time, any sense time will te- yeah no, no no it actually kind of does time will tell if we get some overexposure yeah but in the meantime that's it for icon month yes that's it for spooky month and uh pretty soon that's it for halloween yeah so uh and next is gonna be uh the gobble gobbles um yeah but it's this next month is your month. This is your, this is your brainchild of doing these fucking dumpster fire movies. Uh, so um. Okay, so you're gonna need to explain. <laughs> I think we might have done this in a prior episode, but for those just joining us now, tell everybody why what your reasoning is as to why you wanted to do this. So every time we end up speaking about Jaws, the and. Uh, it, it's just what it keeps hitting me where it's like you know what I just want to get it done and over with right and rip off the band-aid from the last couple times that we did our uh, B movie um, you know we did the the B movie uh, bonanza where it was just the I think we did like three movies that were just bad they just weren't we did the gauntlet and we did the gauntlet and then uh, but that was the thing where it's like man like that actually seemed kind of fun and nice and easy to do because most of the movies that we end up tend to you know going towards maybe will be pretty good i mean it's not very often where we actually get to do a bad movie so this one I was like you know what let's fucking get a whole month in and just get out all the bad but also have some fun with it because i'm gonna sit there and go holy shit that was a that was a dumpster fire i don't know man this feels you know? like it's gonna be really painful but that's the thing is like I want to have fun with it because that's what Ooh. horror is about is having fun, getting that adrenaline in there. But at the same time, I want to just get out just the ones that are terrible. And I already uh, guaranteeing you we're going to start off with Freddy's Dead. That's number one on the list. Out of everything that we like, we've already gotten a bunch of uh, submissions and things like that, and that that was one that popped up, and I think it's deserved. It's God, that movie's trash. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so bad. I want to have some <sighs> fun with it, and since we're gonna do it, if we can figure out a way to get it going, we need to do the 3D version of it <laughs> as well with the, the stupid hell glasses. You say? Anyways, but also on the docket, I think towards the end of the month, we are gonna do your. Most hated. We'll get there eventually. No, no. We need to say it. What it's is- We're going to do Seed of Chucky. Uh. As much as we, we just talk shit about it, we're going to do Seed of Chucky. And then at the end of the month, we got Jaws the Revenge. We My gotta- most hated movie of all time. I've never hated a movie so much. Flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <laughs> a, just burning and... Ah! <laughs> so, yeah. Madison Khan, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, and then we have a couple more uh, listener submissions that we're gonna throw in there as well. Yeah, because so. we don't want to hog the whole thing. No, but we're kicking it off with Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. <laughs> Fucking. Oh yeah. 
Rachel Talloway. Why? <laughs> All right. But in the meantime, subscribe so you get that next week in your favorite podcatcher. Like, share, comment, five-star reviews. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real. Um, definitely email us with movie suggestions or just to chat with Lunchbox at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And uh, buy the merch because ho, 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 jingle all the way. Christmas is coming, whether we like it or not. Uh, I think we're s- seven, eight weeks out now. Yeah. I mean, Walmart's already got their shit up. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, anyway. Naughty. Yeah, for real. Uh, so, go to creepinitreal.redbubble.com or click the link in the Instagram bio to get our sweet-ass podcast merch mm-hmm. and uh, rep us hard in the streets. Yeah. We really appreciate it. You guys get to customize it all you want and... By you know, within November they always get up those Black Friday sales and they do some really good stuff. Yep. So so keep an get eye on, on so uh, keep an eye on Redbubble for that. But in the meantime, I have been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. Heidi Ho, bitches. <laughs>